I'm very excited about Christmas, okay? Christmas is my favorite season of the year. Um, it's sad that it's now in winter time, but I mean, I guess that's what all the songs are about, you know, right? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, you know, it's like dark and snowy and, you know, dreary and cold and fireplaces and all those kinds of things. We have awesome summer vacations over Christmas on the beach, you know, swimming, surfing. No? Okay, no, okay. <laughs> we'll stick to too gloomy, rainy weather, and no, I'm just kidding. It's awesome. My wife loves the rainy weather, by the way. Um, she uh, she she's more of a person that likes cold <laughs> than I am. I like the heat. Um, yeah, I was just saying. There's uh, there might there's like I think there's two kind of people in the United States. You know, those who start celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving and those who only start celebrating after Thanksgiving. So let's just do a quick poll in the room here right now. Who are hey? I'm putting up my Christmas tree somewhere in November, even before Thanksgiving's over. Come on, show yourself. Don't be ashamed. All right, now the rest of y'all, shame these people. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Look, it doesn't matter. If, if you, it takes all kinds to make a world. In the Philippines, they start celebrating Christmas during the first month that, start, that has the letter R in it. So Christmas season starts in September. October, November, December. Yeah, no, 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 no. After August, okay? Don't, don't mess up. Don't me- and then it, okay, then it stops after, obviously, December, right? Because then the new year starts and all that. Um, so you're allowed to do Christmas. Uh, just claim that you're not from America. I'm just kidding. No, you can't be an American and do Christmas before Thanksgiving. All of you do Christmas only after Thanksgiving. All right, let's show yourself. Come on now. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. All right, now the rest of y'all, let's just have a sad moment for these guys. We have so little Christmas to celebrate. Come on. If you only start celebrating after Thanksgiving, it's like a couple of weeks, right? It's the greatest season of all, and mm, you're only putting it in a couple of weeks. Man, no, you have to have your Christmas lights and things. On. Oh, we did put our Christmas lights up this week only, I know. So we're kind of trying to cater to both worlds here. Um, but I love Christmas. I love Christmas. And with all that's been going on, you know, we decided it's time to do a sermon series called Christmas is Not Cancelled. Christmas is not cancelled, y'all. Come on now. This is a time to really celebrate good things and especially celebrate the right good things celebrate the things of god that make christmas what it is amen so so we're going to do a three a three more or less three four part series about christmas not being canceled because there are there are things that you just can't cancel even if let's say for instance you know a widespread Hostile takeover happens right now, and you can't spend Christmas with family. There can be no Christmas events. There is no festivities. There is no buying and giving of gifts, even if all of that happens. Did you guys know Christmas can still not be canceled? Because the essence of Christmas does not lie in those things, even though we use those things to celebrate the essence of Christmas. But there are things that are so germane to Christmas that you can't take it away. It doesn't matter what happened. And one of those things is this is the season to be jolly, y'all. It's a season of joy. Amen? And no matter what happens in life, 
as Christians, we have that incredible strength and ability to never allow anything to cancel our joy. Say this, my joy can't be canceled. Come on, come on. Let's, lead, let's read from the Bible. Luke 2 verse 10, an angel appeared and he said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Let's say great joy to all people. That's right. That's right. To all people. So at this point, though, God had been silent through the prophetic you know, uh, people for about four to five hundred years. It's been a very long time since a prophet has been on the scene that explained the will of God to the people. And since at that time, people did not have individual personal connection with the Holy Spirit and relationship with God. Just think about that. There was a time when that was not even a possibility. We're living in a great time, y'all. There has been a lot of like silence and, 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 and you know, people were waiting for the Messiah, but it was a long wait to not have anybody of a, you know, a leader capacity come and guide the nation. And this advent happens in such an amazing time where people are hungry to hear about the Messiah. And the angel comes and says, look, I'm coming and I'm bringing your good news that will bring you great joy. Great joy helps us go through great trouble. Great joy helps us go through great trouble. I don't know about you, but 2020 has been a, a pretty troubling year. There's been so many challenges. There's so many things that are going on. And I've, I've been reading a lot. And when I read, I, I, read, I read both sides of a perspective. Because I, I believe the Bible says, you know, whatever you hear from a person is true until you hear the other party's story. Right? And so um, uh, we, we in South Africa, we say, a sausage always has two ends. <laughs> That's how we describe that one. All right. Um, there's always two ends to a sausage. There's always two stories, two sides to a story. And um, you know what I find? Doesn't matter from what perspective or you know vantage point you look from. Everybody is having a hard time. Everybody is troubled. Everybody is scared. Everybody, you, no matter who you, who you talk to, you can find that there are fears and that there are worries and that there are troubles that people have been going through. So much more do we need in this time a message that says, hey, we have good news that will allow your joy to be refreshed. Because if your joy is strengthened, if your joy is renewed, something great happens to you. Now, there is a Grinch in this Christmas story. I don't know if you've ever read the um, book or seen the movies of Dr. Seuss, um, known as Dr. Seuss, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, How He Tried to Steal Christmas, right? And so the Grinch tried to steal Christmas by trying to steal all the presents. And he thought that, you know, he could cancel Christmas by just, you know, canceling out all the gifts that was going to be given. Little did he know that that was not the essence of Christmas, which, which he came to understand at least. But in real life, there is also a Grinch. We all know it's the devil, right? And he tries to steal our joy. But the devil isn't really after our joy. What do you think he's after, actually? The devil is actually after our strength. Because the Bible declares in Nehemiah 10, 8 verse 10, that the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. It is what helps us to endure. 
And if he can steal your joy, he can jeopardize your endurance. He can cause you to want to give up and to give in. John 10.10 says this, The thief's purpose is to steal and then to kill and then to destroy. Or to destroy and kill. But steal, kill and destroy is what he does. And that is his agenda. And we've spoken in the kingdom series about you know, how he goes about doing all those things. But the bottom line is that if we can retain our joy, we will have the ability to go through troubled times. How many of you felt your joy just disappear on you in moments? And you just feel dis- disparaged. You feel like, oh man, I don't know if I can go on. I felt like that before. Plenty of times. I felt that I, man, what is there left for me to pursue? I felt discouraged. I felt sometimes, I felt even like, is it even worth trying anymore to to change things? To to, 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 All the hard work that I seem to have been doing um, at that time just seemed to come to nothing. And And I asked myself, is it even worth it? Nothing I'm trying to do is even actually working. It's not even, you know, making a difference. And, and sometimes we reach those points in different parts of our lives. Um, you know, I became 40 during this year, and I called my pastor back home. and Well, he called me to congratulate me on my 40th, you know. And then he said to me, Jay, um, remember, no midlife crisis for you. You had that when you were 25, okay? <laughs> I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> no midlife crisis for me. <laughs> I had that when I was 25. Surely I did. I felt, dis- you know, I really despaired of life. I, um, at one point, I, f- I felt that it would be better for me to just not be here, um, and I asked God to just, you know, deal with the issue, which was me, and just remove me from everything. It was a dark time of my life, and I, didn't, I felt like I lost my entire sense of calling. I wanted to leave the ministry. Um, I had a really, really hard time. The joy of the Lord helps us to navigate those troubling times because God knows they do come. They do come. They come to any and everybody. But if you have the joy of the Lord on the inside of your heart, it somehow pulls you through those moments without letting the devil get his way of stealing, killing, and destroying your life, your purpose, and your calling. So whatever you possess, you'll have to learn to protect it. Okay? Each and every one of us has been given the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And the Holy Spirit helps us. He creates joy in our hearts. And I'll, I'll talk, talk about that and how that happens now. But you have to fight to protect it. That's your job. That's my job. I have to recognize the joy that I have, appreciate it enough to do the right things to protect it so that I can keep enjoying the benefit of it to help me walk the long, long journey, to play the long game that I need to see God's purposes come to pass in my life. So I'm going to talk to you today about three things. Three things the devil tries to do to get us to lose our joy. And then three things you and I must do in order to retain our joy. To kind of counter attack, counter what the efforts of the enemy is in our lives. Y'all ready? First one. Comparison. Ooh, this is a big one. Especially now during this time. When so many people are showing off the great things that they get for themselves or for their families during Christmas, right? You know, we look at social media and we see that guy just bought himself a new car. And I go like, oh my goodness, I'm still driving this jalopy from 1970. You know, um, and that causes me to want to compare his whole existence to mine. It's a simple thing. He bought a new car. I have car 
trouble. Or maybe I don't even have trouble. Maybe I just have an old car. But all of a sudden, this guy's entire existence becomes better than mine. That's comparison. That's what it does to you. It lies flat out to you, but it tricks you and it makes you want to compare and and acknowledge or admit that, oh, woe is me, you know. And it wants you to feel bad about your life. That's what comparison does. And, 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 And this is what the Bible says to the contrary. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body Jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. When we compare our lives to other people, we become jealous of them. And it literally deteriorates our strength. You know, the skeletal part of my skeleton, it actually gives structure to my body. Without the skeleton, there's no movement, there's no ability for for. for, 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 for you know, counteracting uh, uh, forces to create movement. I need strength in my skeleton to keep my life going forward. But jealousy erodes that strength deep on the inside. And so what I find is as I compare myself to this person, my strength literally starts waning. I start feeling weak. I start feeling no good. I start feeling like a failure. And it happens to to us all. It happens to me as well. And especially in an age of entitlement that we live in, where everybody feels it's their right to get what they want. This is such a, so much bigger of an issue. You know the greatest lesson I learned in high school? From my English teacher. Her name was Mrs. Duplessis, which is a familiar um, last name to you guys. And she told me, because I was always fussing, you know, I was always trying to, you know, um, mess with her about fairness and, you know, how other kids would get things that I didn't get, etc. And one day she kind of like, you know, she just had enough of me. And she just went, JJ, you know what? Life is unfair. And the sooner you accept that, the better. <laughs> you know? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you want me to accept that? I can't accept that. And then that would be her mantra for me. Whenever I would ask a question that was like, you know, whatever, she was like, JJ, life is unfair. Deal with it. You know, <laughs> she would just take me by the, by the shirt and literally just trying to shake me awake. And you know what? As I grew older, I realized that that, that is so true. Life is unfair. And us living with an expectation that life around us are going to somehow work out fair towards us is us living in la-la land. Because this life is broken. It's not fair. And it's not fair because, not because of you know, people's intentions. It's not, not fair because of you know, things that are stacked up against me. No, it's, it's unfair because of sin. The fact that people are broken. And there's nothing we can do about that outside of Jesus Christ. Because this world is going to remain sinful and therefore broken. And so I have to come to terms with that. 
Now, when I do come to terms with that, all of a sudden, I can start choosing how I'm going to progress. And what I learned in later years was this, even though life is unfair, God is good in the midst of the unfairness. He will fight my battle for me. I can start putting my faith and my trust in Him. When I see things that I feel like, man, it makes me look bad, I can go, but my God is good. God will help me through this. God has got my cause in His hands and He is guiding me along His path. There's nothing you can do about the unfairness of life outside of Jesus Christ. But if you are in Christ, it elevates you above this existence. It makes you look at that guy's new car and go, man, that's an awesome vehicle. Congratulations, I'm so glad for you. And then you go back to your vehicle and you wait until it starts. And all the time you're saying, God is good. He's got, my, he's got me. He's got my life in His hands. And this is just a material thing. And this does not define me because my God defines me by getting ahead of myself. Listen to 1 Samuel 18. It's a, it's a, it's a little account of just what Saul, King Saul went through. So David started becoming like a, well, a well-known um, you know, public figure because of his military feats. And the, the ladies would sing these songs. Saul has killed his thousands and, and David his ten thousands. And this made Saul very angry. He said, what is this? They credit David with tens of thousands and me with only thousands. Next they'll be making him their king. And so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Who do you have a jealous eye on right now? Is there that classmate that you still feel like he's one-upping you and everything? I mean, you're 50 now, but you're still feeling inferior to that person. Come on. Shake that off. Shake that off. How do we shake this off? How do we counter this comparison thing? The connection to God is your key. That's a counter. Connection to God is your key. How does that work? If you're connected to God, it makes you see life through His eyes. It helps you to see yourself through His eyes. It gives you an identity that is detached from earthly performance and earthly stuff. It gives you an identity of sonship, an identity of acceptance, an identity of that your life is purposeful and significant regardless of what you have or what you do in this life. Which means that when other people are excelling, you can start celebrating what they're excelling at instead of feeling threatened by it because their excelling does not show me anything. It has no bearing on me at all because I am not defined by you know my performance relevant to other people's performance I'm not I'm defined by my God who has declared over me that you are my son and I have created you for works that I have defined and if you will walk in them you will see and experience your, your, your significance in this life We are not defined relevant to other people around us. We are defined to Him. And so your connection to God is what gives you that ability to stand amongst other men and other women and be secure in who you are and who God has created you to be. Connection is your key to fight comparison. John 15 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. 
those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I've told you these things so that you will be filled with what? My joy. You'll be filled with my joy. If you remain connected to Jesus and you start walking in who you are and you start producing the fruit that he planned and meant for you to produce, it fills you with his joy. It fills you with his joy. It makes you feel so amazing. It makes you feel so, you know, um, appreciated. Even though nobody might recognize or acknowledge what you're doing, you're getting acknowledgement and recognition from the Spirit of God. You know, there's a verse in Romans, I think it's Romans 16, where, where, where the Bible says, The Spirit of God testifies with my spirit that I am a child of God. The Spirit of God on the inside of you are helping you see who you are. He's affirming the identity of Christ on the inside of you. And your connection with Him, your, your, your outreach to, to, to know Him and to connect with Him more and to understand Him more is what brings you that identity, that brings you that security, that fills you with His fruit and, and such joy. Yes, my joy will overflow if I remain in Him. Not staying in that identity is literally like, like oh, maybe I should put this thing on charge. This is not a prop. This is an actual miss, okay? I'm not, I didn't do that to kind of prove a point here. But <laughs> if, <laughs> you know how they sometimes set things up like that? Totally not. But that cell phone is broadcasting our service to a couple of folks who can't make it to our services. It's a private group. It's not a public group. Um, it's for people who work offshore and, and people who live in, in distant parts where they, you know, they want, they're still connected to our church family. Um, but if that cell phone remains uncharged, disconnected from the source of power over time, it'll run down. And that's the same for you and me. If we disconnect over time, we run down. We run down. And you're on my connection. And then we lose that part that keeps us secure. And we start looking around us how we measure up. And we always find the people who looks to be better off than us. The one or two or three or maybe ten. We never see the people that we're better off than in those moments. That ain't funny, right? But when we connect... We don't even have to play that game. And I can celebrate what's happening to you. I can celebrate. You know, the hardest thing for me to teach my kids is for them to be happy when the other one falls into some luck. You know, someone comes home. Hey, guess what we got at school today? Why didn't we get that at school today? (laughs) I'm like, dude, (laughs) just go. Wow, I'm so glad for you. You know what? Our turn is going to (laughs) come. It's the most difficult thing to teach a child. But I think it's sometimes one of the most difficult things to teach us as well, that we celebrate the successes of the people around us. This culture actually does well with that. Like, you know, I've seen, I don't know whether it's kind of programmed in or whether it's really sincere, but I've never really seen somebody go like, he got a promotion, you know, and I didn't. You know, there's always like, oh man, I'm so glad for you kind of response. Um, Make sure that that comes from Faith, not just from, you know, a habit. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not from here. I'm just making observations. All right. Take it. Don't take it. You know, Psalm 4 verse 7 says the following. It says, 
you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Think about this. You can be in a position of greater joy than that guy who just bought himself a brand new F-250. Or that lady that just got, you know, 2,000 bucks to spend on a shopping spree. Gift card or whatever the, I don't know, what makes you happy, girls? Something like that, right? You can have right where you are now, without any of these external things, without any of the success, without any of the, oh, I worked hard and I got a return for my labor, without any of that, you can have greater joy on the inside of your heart right now by your connection with God, your connection with the Holy Spirit who's living on the inside of you. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Our knowledge of God, our connection, our intimacy with God is what brings us into that place of security, of identity that makes me know, you know what, doesn't matter what goes on around me. I can retain my joy because I am following and walking in the light of God. I am walking in His pleasure. The second thing the devil tries to get us to do is he tries to get us to complain. Everybody say this, complain. Good, you said it correctly. I was going to say, no, no, don't say complain. Say complain. Okay, but you did a good job. All right. Listen to Job. Job 10 verse 1. He says this. I loathe my life. I will give free utterance to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I know this is a little over-exaggerated, but how often don't we do this? Don't we go like, oh. You know what? How long are we going to be here in this place? How long do I still have to deal with this? I wish I could just, you know, you fill in the blank. When the, the intentions of our hearts don't line up with the reality that we see inside us or the desires even of our hearts, don't, we don't get to do or get to, you know, achieve or, or receive what we hope to or intended to. You know, the Bible says a hope deferred makes the heart sick. Our hearts get sick because we, we place our focus on, on those things for our joy. The accomplishment of our goals for our joy. And, and then, you know, often what happens is we just give free utterance to our complaints. We have no control. We have no discipline to, to put a guard in front of our mouths. And you know what starts happening is as you start speaking all these negativity, wow, your words actually carry influence power. Your words can actually create your own heart's disposition. And you start affirming your agony. And very soon you can see nothing other than my life is a mess. My life is not worth it. Proverbs 21, 23 says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from distress. It's time for us to realize that when we do face trouble, because we will, that we have to guard our mouths, guard what we say. Don't step into this complaining habit because it completely changes our whole demeanor. It changes everything that we look at. It changes our outlook in life, which makes us see the negative instead of seeing the goodness of God that we have in our lives. 
You see, the more we complain about the in-laws and the finances and the exes and the schools and the governments, the economy and the election, the worse and worse our state of mind and soul becomes. Some of you experienced that during this last month and a half. You lost your joy. And then other, all other things start taking over. Fear, worry, you know, you start saying things like, oh, now this is going to happen. Oh, now that's going to happen. Look, they're going to do this. Look, I bet you this is the next thing that's going to take place. And everybody is just creating their futures, left, right, and center, with the irresponsible words and things that they're declaring over their lives. All the while feeling, oh my goodness, the power of the enemy is growing and growing and growing and growing. And my God seems to be diminishing and diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Don't let Satan trap you by losing your joy, by allowing yourself to complain. What is the antidote for complaining? The antidote for complaining is worship. Is worship. If you're going to say something, say something that magnifies God. Not something that diminishes Him inadvertently. James 1 verse 2 says this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. Consider it an opportunity for joy. You might argue, well, you know what? Your jolliness, jolly, happy, you know, little preach isn't going to make my reality go away. And you might be right. But you know what? Joy has the ability to stop you from giving up. Joy has the ability to stop you from ending your life, from walking out on your marriage. Joy has the ability to end the work of the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Get you into a place where you see yourself as God is seeing you and have the courage to take the next step that He wants you to take to recovery and back to strength. Worship is our weapon. Philippians 4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. When you get those tax returns, back and it says that you own own oh more than you thought you did it's an opportunity for joy time to start worshiping jesus time to tell him how great a provider he is time to tell him how much you trust him so paul is actually writing this letter the philippians letter he's actually writing it while he is incarcerated did you all know that he's in jail we call it the Chuki. He is not a free person. He's probably facing capital punishment. He's condemned to death. And you know what the Philippians letter is called? It's called the book of joy. <laughs> because the word joy occurs more in this book than in any other book. 18 times does he use the word joy in the book of Philippians. Think about this. He's in the midst of the greatest danger and challenge of his life. And yet, he talks about joy. Because joy is not linked to our circumstances. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Man, he had a lot to complain about. But 
he chose to rather worship God and rather keep going with what he knew God called him to do, even though he was in the midst of the most difficult circumstance. Think about this. We, how, how much does it take? How much, how much does it take to take you out? Like to get you to not do things that you know God wants you to do. How much does it take? Is it one sleepless night with the baby? How about having to sleep in a cold jail cell to get you to give up what God has called you to do? And yet Paul says, the joy of the Lord, right? The joy of the Lord carries him through. Not only does he personally keep worshiping Jesus, but he realizes, man, I've been called to plant churches, reach the Gentiles, make disciples. You know what? I better get a letter out there that helps these people know what they ought to do. And so he just starts writing a letter. The method of his outreach changes radically. But man, I'm thankful he got into jail because we wouldn't have Philippians like we have it today if you weren't in jail. How, how much will people thank God for the trouble that you go, chose to go through with the joy of the Lord in the future because of what you produced within the trouble? Because you had your identity secure. You didn't start complaining. You kept on worshiping and you stayed faithful to the cause that he had for you. Come on, God has got great things to produce through us. He will produce that fruit in us if we stay connected. See, connection actually leads to worship. When you get to know God, you can't but worship Him. Because worship is merely a response to a revelation that I received. The minute I see something about God, it evokes adoration. I go, wow. And for some of us, you know, who don't have a lot of words, that is enough. But for those who are kind of more, you know, vocal and poetic, uh, poetic, you need to express that. Wow, that is incredible. That's outrageous. How does he do that? Our adoration, that's what worship is. It's how much I think of you. I tell you that. We need to tell God that. Use our words instead of complaining to worship. Psalm 16, 11. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. In God's presence, our joy gets recharged. It's difficult to protect um, the joy in your heart if you haven't managed to learn how to worship. And, and what I often see is, uh, especially during Christmas time, you know, when we, when we pull out those golden oldies, you know, all those songs of, you know, and then, and then we sing those songs, but some, very often, we, sometimes we don't even know what the words mean. Like, you know, uh, uh, there are some of these, these carols that <laughs> they use English words that we don't use anymore, right? And so uh, sometimes I have to go like, what does that mean? You know, because <laughs> I'm singing it. But am I really worshiping with that song? See, there's a big difference between singing songs and actually worshiping. How many of you drive around with Christian music? By the way, if y'all know that there are, uh, there are like at least three Christian radio stations. So if you ever wondered um, if there are Christian music just free out there, you know, for anybody to listen to, there are. Um, just go Google Christian radio station Crowley and you'll find one. There's another one in, 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 in Jennings for those of you who like country music, Christian country music, there's that. And then there's like, you know, a, a nationwide, uh, you know, app that you can even download that, that gives you Christian music like right there at the push of a button. But 
But so often I find myself singing the songs while I'm driving. And then I'm thinking, what am I singing? Who am I singing this to? And I go, oh yeah, I'm singing this to God. And in that moment, something shifts. It transitions from being a song that I'm singing to worship that I'm proclaiming. So often we come into this room and because we're busy with what's happening on the outside and, you know, we might have had a fight on our way to church and, you know, because that even happens to the pastor. Um, and then, and then um, you know, you sit here and you start singing the songs, and you, but you're going through the motions. God does not, this is not, singing the songs in the beginning is not just, okay, we, we're getting the service up, up and running. No, that's us coming, falling on our knees before Jesus, so telling Him how much we need Him and how much we think of Him. That's why it's so important for us to, to not, like, you know, stroll in here by, you know, oh, I don't sing. I'll just come for the word. No, you need to come for the singing part. Because this is where your joy gets recharged. In the presence of God, when you start declaring His greatness, worship is your weapon. Because what's happening is while you're ascribing greatness and honor and glory to God, He starts rising up. Against the trouble and the challenges that you're facing. There's a, now, now, there, now there's a duel. There's a show off that's happening between the troubles of your life and the God of your life. And when you start declaring that your God is greater, your God is, 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 is stronger than what you're facing in your life, all of a sudden, victory starts becoming yours. You start seeing a way through the trouble because of your worship. Because you're ascribing worth onto the right side of the battle. When you complain, you ascribe worth to the bad side. You tell the devil how strong he is, how much control he has over your life, how big his influence is on you. Don't complain. Worship. Worship in your own existence. Gains you the victory that is already yours in Christ, available to us, but we need to take it by faith. And our worship puts us in that position where we see God's greatness. I do not miss worship. And when I'm in front here singing, I'm not, I'm not leading. I'm just worshiping because I need to worship so that my God in my own mind and heart can, can, can transcend the troubles that I'm facing every week, the, the faith challenges that I have to bear. And then I walk out of this place victorious. I go like, my God's got this. He's got me. He's got this. And you know what? My joy is restored. My faith, my strength is restored, and I can go on. That is available to each and every one of us in this room. But you have to come with the desire to worship. Not just to go through the motions, sing and get the song over. The singing part over. That's your moment to connect with the presence of God. Because in His presence, there's fullness of joy. You see, your joy can't be canceled. Because Jesus' presence in your life cannot be canceled. He's here. He's here. 
Habakkuk 3 verse 17 to 19 says, Even though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no fruit, food. The flock may be cut off from the fold and there may be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. I like how it says, I will take joy. Sometimes we say, take joy in the Lord. I want to say today, take joy when you're in the presence of the Lord. Because it's on offer for each and every one of us in His presence. This is the message of Christmas, isn't it? What a friend we have in Jesus. What a joy to be known by Him, loved by Him. Even though He knows everything about us. The last thing that Satan tries to get us to do is to not confess our sin. Ooh, this is a big one. Psalm 32, listen to this. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. What joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Are you at this point in your life having any form of guilt that you're carrying around because of unconfessed sin? It's not God's desire for you to live like that. God wants your record to be cleared of guilt. That's why he sent Jesus. Listen to this. He says, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. Unconfessed sin literally has a physical effect on your body. It makes your body waste away. I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me and my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. We all sin. Okay, don't think that you've come to a perfect church. Don't think that I'm a perfect person. Only Jesus is perfect. I sin. The question is not whether we sin or not. The question is whether we confess our sin or not. The question is whether we Open up our lives. So like it says here, live in complete honesty. Some of us in this room have unconfessed sins. Unconfessed sins very quickly become secret sins. And a secret sin is something that the devil uses to convince you that you are not forgivable. And then he tells you that the only thing that you can do is keep on hiding that thing. And so here's the progression. Very soon you start realizing that the best way to hide it is to just not show up. Just to disappear. Just to run away. And waste away on your own in isolation where it's easy for the devil to just do with you whatever he likes. God wants us to walk guilt-free before him. He wants, us to, he wants you to have the privilege of what he died for. 
But the only way we can do that is if we are honest with ourselves and honest with people around us. The antidote to unconfessed sin is that repentance is your freedom. Repentance is your freedom. Making sure that you've confessed. If there's something that you're hiding, come out with it. Admit it. Find somebody that you can trust and tell them, I need to get rid of this thing in my life because it's going to ruin me. It's already ruined my joy. It's already made me hide. It's already causing me to pull away. Don't let it do that. Get rid of it before it gets rid of you. Psalm 32, the last verses of this, uh, this passage, verse 5. Finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. I don't know if you've, who's, who, who likes hiking? If you've, if you've taken that backpack and everything's in there and you've walked. And you've walked the, you know, the 10 miles that you, you needed to walk for the day. And you finally get to your, to your resting spot and you take that big old bag off fling it and you put it down on the ground and all of a sudden you realize what it was like to be you before the baggage (laughs) your legs almost feel like jelly you feel like man I feel like I'm flying (laughs) that's what it feels like to confess your sin and receive the forgiveness from God receive the guilt free verdict over your life because Jesus has paid the price on your behalf do not allow secret sins unconfessed sins to become secret sins do not allow unconfessed sin in your life get somebody you trust and confess it James 5.16 says confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed God wants us to walk in this freedom Acts 3 verse 19 and 20 repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord You know, joy is basically under your jurisdiction. You can choose to live in joy. By making sure you don't fall into the trap of comparison. Connect with Jesus to find who you are. Stop complaining. Stop worshiping. And don't leave unconfessed sins unconfessed. Repent of it quickly. Get it out. If you have a pattern of sin that needs to be broken off your life, those are the most difficult to confess to because you know they've been going on for a while. It's okay. When you confess confess of them, you're not embarrassing you. You're embarrassing the work of the devil in your life. You're embarrassing Satan and what he's done in your life to kill, steal and destroy and you get to walk free you get to break that pattern off your life and walk free before the Lord connection, worship, repentance that's how we keep our joy let's all stand let's spend a moment in prayer before the Lord as Kathleen just ministers for us I want you to get serious with God right now where you are
This is your moment to break off any unconfessed sin that have led you to feel shame and guilt. See, the enemy tries to convince you that what you've done is who you are. He tries to convert the fact that you did do something, which is guilty, makes you guilty of sin, to take on an identity of sin, which makes you feel shameful. Tells you not what you did was wrong, but you are wrong. You are not worth it. You are not welcome. God wants to break that lie over your life today. If there is anything that you need to confess before God right now, that you need to make right, that you need to tell Him, Lord, I need to get this out of my life and I need your help with it. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I want you to acknowledge that today before the Lord, that you're going to deal with this. Just raise your hand right there if there's something that you feel that you need to go and deal with before the Lord. I see those hands. God sees your hand. He sees your hand. Anybody feel it? Man, I got got unrepentant sin I need to get rid of. Lord, you see each of these people who are entrusting their lives to you right here. Lord God, break off the shame over their lives. Make them see that that you confess and, and acknowledge with their own spirit that they are sons and daughters of of God that you've died so that they can be free that you meant for them to walk in a guilt free shame free relationship with you thank you Lord that as they confess those sins before you today Lord God Bible says if we confess our sins you are faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness Thank you, Father, that you help them connect with the right people to help them walk out the cleansing process. Thank you for what you produce in our hearts. Thank you that we can leave here today, Lord, being affirmed by you as your children, giving us great joy as we walk out, just walk in your presence, worshiping and connecting with you during the week. I pray that joy will overflow our hearts, Lord God. It'll renew in us, Father, that urge and that that guts to continue and to keep fighting, to keep trusting and to keep seeing you as our good Father. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.